Hi, everybody. It's the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. At A to Z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Give us a like over there if you haven't already. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support. Um, we do get excited. Say four letter words and venture into mature slash immature subjects sometimes. So if any of that's not for you, come back at another time or put on your earbuds. Uh, our longtime sponsors are Seen, The Honeymoon Grill, and American Fireworks in Hudson. Uh, Dre, why don't you tell everybody about your American Fireworks experience? You didn't blow off any of your nub- nubby little fingers, right? Nah, I got all my nubs, son. So much so that I'm going to throw out a first pitch on Saturday, hopefully, if I can make it to Saturday. American Fireworks was uh, the perfect place to complement my 4th of July. One of my first 4th of Julys in a long time that I was able to be home. Uh, American Fireworks, I was able to go out to Hudson twice. Uh, the week of, and we put on a show better than any city probably uh, that you're around. We're already talking about next year's. Uh, all of Wadsworth may just come to my neighborhood for uh, the, the unbelievable spectacular that was. Um, it was tremendous. I can't say enough, enough times thank you to American Fireworks for how great uh, they made the experience, not only for our kids, uh, but for the adults. They gave us a little bit of stuff, enough stuff to make the kids happy and have kids have something to play with. Then when it got dark, the adults were able to let the children that they were. So well, thank you so much. I, I can just for say this for my neighborhood, for the two other neighborhoods that I generally hang out in, and for all the surrounding ones. I hope, I hope, and I assume you guys have been going to American Fireworks because you've still been blowing it up all week long. <laughs> um, you ain't lying. <laughs> so I know John and the guys up there are, are restocking by the hour, and uh, they're willing to help you. So um, quick little unimportant life update. Um uh, my vacation was canceled, which has been fine. You know, it's just, it's crazy times. And you talk about packing up the car and going a long way and dealing with the risk. It's just not worth it. So, um, been chilling at home, although it's hard to chill when it's 96 degrees every day. Uh, but it's Thursday afternoon. Um, I currently smell like sunscreen and white claw and greatness. And, uh, Jerry said, let's do a little podcast. And I said, that's fine. I need to get out of the sun anyway. So, you smell, like, you smell like the average co- white, average college white girl, which is smell like, but that's all good. <laughs> I'm just smelling the same way. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's been cool. Um, you know, we're into July, so I gotta tell you, I, I'm, you know, trying not to fret about the state of the world um, in the state of sports. You know, a lot of stuff coming down is is not surprising. Uh, you know, I, I've let me cut you off. Let me okay. cut you off. So we don't, so we don't fret because we could. Let's rewind ten years, and ten years in like four days. You want to do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely want to go there. Um, like I said, I just want to say, guys, like, you know, I just don't know. And when I see the Ivy League cancel fall sports, um, the only difference between them and the other leagues to me is that they don't have millions of dollars to risk, so they can do it first. But they're saying we don't see a path to this for right now, so we're going to sit and wait. And and obviously, you this, know, just, a part of if, this if is... The smartest people, if the smartest yes. people in the world say that, we better listen. Yes. Johns Hopkins uh, canceled football, right? So, um, right. John2242 on Twitter thinks he knows a lot, but I'll take Johns Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I, and I hate to get into this, Dre, but this is, this is what's going on, you know, in the world and and so we'll see um both of our careers depend on sports if you're listening to this 
there's a percentage chance that either your career or a percentage of your life happiness and your non-family activity revolves around sports. And, you know, we've been wanting to do this podcast for going on a week. You know, not only am I technically on vacation and, and you have other stuff to do, but there's been times when it's like if we couldn't come to a quick agreement, it's like, well, why rush? Because we have nothing to talk about. So, right. It, it, right. And I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to dwell on anything negative. I'm just going to say to you guys that have been listening, that have supported us, thank you. Um, we look forward to, gosh, let's see, today's the ninth. So two weeks from tomorrow, there's supposed yeah. to be a real baseball game. Supposed to be baseball. And there's supposed to be a training camp opening up. And rather than, like you said, I don't want to fret. I want to make this a, a different type of podcast because we could. Okay, I'll give two things of what you said, and I'll make them quick, and then we'll go into 10 years ago, 10 years in my uh, The Ivy League, if you remember back in March, was the first ones to kind of shut down basketball, their, their basketball programs. Obviously, their program's way different uh, than the, the, the Power Five conferences, but there's something to what the Ivy League knows and what they're doing. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with travel and, 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 and other things like that. The other one I'll say about the NFL is I paid some way, way, way more attention to J.C. Treader when he tweets or blogs uh-huh. and what he's saying than what I read on Pro Football Talk. And I'm not going at Pro Football Talk. That's just the person that came to my mind. Sure. Um, to me, Zach, and we don't have to get into a big conversation about it. To me, J.C. Treader sounds like what a lot of baseball people sounded like to me back in April when we were all like, oh, we'll be back July 4th. Remember, you know, that was kind of the narrative. It was like, oh, baseball will be back July 4th. Then I would talk to players, hear from players, and be like, well, we don't even have a, we don't have anything figured out yet. And Jason Treader's kind of saying the same thing, and we're weeks away from competition, and I'm hearing about getting testing for girlfriends and whoever's with players, and I just, I don't think we're going to see football in September. I hope I'm wrong. Like you said, our livelihoods are on it. I, yeah. I got money, I got money riding on all this shit. Well, um, my gut, just, my gut know. feeling, and, and my gut is certainly more impressive today than it was ten days ago. I've been, I've been living <laughs> off of grilled foods and white cloth. It's been phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. Um, um, the NFL to me is hell bent on playing, and I do think there will be NFL football. But not only do I like and respect J.C. Treader from the times I've worked with him and been around him, but he has a very serious role here, and he has been very staunch i guess is, is the first word that comes to my um half working brain at this point <laughs> that until certain requirements are met that the players are simply not showing up for work and if the players don't do that there's no league so right. my gut right now july 9th which is exactly three weeks before teams are supposed to show up is that we are going to have nfl football this fall but we're not going to have nfl teams in practice in three weeks from now. that's my gut right now well and we can well, talk if you about don't have practice in three, yeah, if you don't have practice in three weeks, you ain't getting games in September. Well, yes and no. They, they I mean, practiced. here's the thing, well, though. No, well, no, wait, wait. They haven't, but, but Zach, you know football. I've played it. If they haven't had any contact in, in any practices, some guys don't have gems. All you're going to have is a bunch of Achilles. Like, it's a setup for failure. And you're right, they're hell-bent. But if you don't take care of these guys the right way, you're not going to get a season worth of shit. Well, you're exactly right. But the the one caveat is training camp looks totally different when it's not structured around the four preseason games. So they will they will have like two weeks of basically mini camps and acclimations before they do any football activity. And then they'll have like two days before they can do it. So I'm not saying you're wrong in that if they don't report on time that 
there won't be football in September, but I do think there's still a path because even if they do report on time, it's not going to be that normal camp. And you're right, like th- this is the rub with teams. Your rookies lost all their offseason. Rookies have not been in the building, so they're going to show up and be expected right. to perform in some cases. I mean, the Browns have a guy that's never played a down of football at left tackle is their starting left tackle, right? right. He's never been in their right. facility. However, so you you would lean towards veterans. However, you're right. There's going to be guys that are going to suffer injuries, and we hope it's only the two- and three-week variety rather than the season, um, That because their bodies – are not near where they usually are on July 9th as they prepare to go. Right. And, you know, J.C. Treader said another thing. And we don't have to harp on this. He said another thing that just stands out to me. I know our country, you know, takes things and makes things political that don't need to be political. But he's an offensive lineman. And he's a bigger guy. And a lot of those guys that play on the line have sleep disorders, all kinds of disorders we know nothing about. The wrong one of these cats gets this. They're not. It's not going to be a two-week thing. They may not get out of a hospital bed for eight weeks. Yeah, that's that happens. It's a scary that blows point. up the whole season. They're not going. To, I'm just. I, I just from what I've gathered, from talking to guys that have played offensive linemen, I just don't see with how everything is set up right now. Every offensive lineman and every team willing to walk into a facility right now and say, "Let's go play football." I I want to be wrong. I don't want to be right. I just don't see it right now with. Because because of how this how this thing transfers, I know everybody says ninety percent or this and that. You let some three hundred twenty pound, three hundred forty five pound guy get this, and let's see how or let a whole offensive line get this, and let's see how it works for a whole team. I don't want, like I said, I don't want to be right. I hope I'm wrong, but if I am right, it's going to be scary as shit, and we make it. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't no, know. I just don't you're see right. How, the I don't the know offensive lineman is is absolutely um, that. I mean, these are not normal humans, right? Like a guy Joel Batonio's size is not supposed to do what Joel Batonio can do, right? Athletically. <laughs> um, right. And for well, Joel Batonio to the, ma- maintain that where... size and that athleticism, he has to put his body through absolute hell when you're dealing with regular conditions, right? Right. So, yes. Um, these are just I thought about this. I... <laughs> I thought about this when I read the thing about what Joe Thomas used to eat, how he used to eat to keep weight on. Like the other day, I think the girl from ES, so whoever did it was pretty cool. Just talking about the diets of offensive linemen. I mean, you look at them, nobody's supposed to be six foot four, 315, 320 pounds, and move the way that they move. So I want football. I miss football. I feel bad for the high school kids. Um, you know, I've said I'm okay with playing sports in the spring if we can get them in the spring. Obviously, that screws. You know, I had a coach tell me, well, what about the track and field kids in high school and the baseball players? That basically would be two baseball seasons knocked out if you play football in, in the spring. And that sucks. Like, I don't have all the answers. I just feel like with the climate that we have today and where we are with this virus and how it's just dominating in Florida, Texas, Phoenix, um, we still don't have a lot of questions answered. You know, like, it, you know, but not much has changed since March 12th, unfortunately. Like, the yeah. dates have changed, but it's pretty much the same. <laughs> so, um, 10 years ago this week, LeBron did the decision. And a lot of you that listen are either from Cleveland or have other ties to Cleveland or Akron or Canton or, you know, Columbus, Youngstown, wherever, um, have 
huge investments in the Cavaliers and LeBron, some going way back. Um, hell, I think if the most listened to podcast that we've ever done is after the Cavs won the title, and that's no surprise, right? That was six years after the decision, um, which was an all-time blunder at the time, which is an all-time moment. Um, maybe it shaped things later for s- several people. I don't know. Um, but we decided last week, you know, when the articles started popping up and, and the different things. And, you know, frankly, people are just filling time in article space right now. I've certainly been one of them. <laughs> um, this was a moment. but And so we decided we, we were going to talk about it because preceded by the decision was this long, drawn-out process where LeBron acted like a complete dick and people had to follow him around and, you know, all of this stuff. Uh, and but before we talk about some of the things that we remember, because we were both there, uh, standing on those sidewalks, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to think about it in the, in the sports world, how long 10 years ago is, Dre. Um, oh. and, and obviously, if you were 15 then and you're 25 now, uh, your life has changed. And if you were 25 then and you're 35 now, probably your life priorities have changed, sometimes two or three times over in that time. Right. And we certainly right. know that LeBron is a completely different guy. Uh, Grandpa LeBron um, than he was then. But think about 10 years ago in the sports world, just right here. The Haslams were two years from coming around. Urban wow. Meyer hadn't come to Ohio State yet. Uh, I don't. When did Terry Francona come on with the Indians? He is his eighth year. So yeah. He was still two years yeah. away as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. So wow. the Cavs hadn't drafted Kyrie yet. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, or Tristan. Right. Right. I mean, you know, the decision came two months after they got knocked out of the playoffs, and their starting five in the ten playoffs included Shaquille O'Neal. Wow. <laughs> I, I mean, and Antoine Jameson. And Antoine Jameson. And, yeah, I mean, you look at the rosters, and I, and, and I know, and like you said something that I think was very important to this. So many things changed in 10 years. And it's so, it, to me, this is the beauty of, of – being able to look back upon something and knowing how life turns out. Um, and you said something I think that really qualifies here. And this isn't to make excuses for LeBron, but he obviously learned and he learned from the decision. And what I saw and what I remember the most was this kid who was still relatively a kid was seven years in the league, but he never left Northeast Ohio. Um, still had the infrastructure of people around him that made him feel most comfortable Still didn't really have anyone around him to tell him, nah, man, don't do that. And I'm not talking about the decision. I'm just talking about just things in general. Um, And I felt like, and I've been thinking about this, a lot of what led up to the decision, you could see, you and I saw five, six days before it happened. Because like you said, he was acting like a dick. But I don't think he meant to act like a dick. I think he got put in a situation where he knew what he wanted to do, but he didn't know how to do it. He was still trying to have his basketball camp. He still wanted to be cool with all the high school kids and the college kids and the coaches that always come to his camps. But he realized suddenly because of the decision that was coming, he was a bigger star than he had ever been before. You know, like the pressure was everywhere. Like we talked, I'll never forget being on, these, on, the, on, the, on the campus of the University of Akron and you would have thought the Beatles were getting ready to show up at the Rubber Bowl, right? <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was bananas. It was ridiculous. I mean, people were willing to talk to anyone. Did you get a glance at LeBron? Mm-hmm. Do you think you know where he's going? Uh, and I don't think he was fully aware of how crazy the situation was going to be. And I think that's crazy to say, Zach, because we're talking about 
LeBron fucking Ramon James. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, it, so I remember a few th- things about that, and, and I could probably talk for an hour and, and bore the shit out of you guys even more than normal. But I think three days on the sidewalk in Cleveland, right, Dre? Um, yeah. iPhones were a thing, but I didn't have one. Uh, I don't know what model of phone that I had, but I can specifically remember it, it had the slider keyboard, and I would log <laughs> on to a, whatever web browser, Type in twitter.com, and, and if I saw something, like I said, these were not groundbreaking tweets or hardcore reporting. This was some movement. I mean, we were sheep for three days sprinting around following each other, right, um, standing on right. a sidewalk. I would walk back to my car and let it run um, so I could charge my phone. Uh, and then, you know, then one day, you mentioned the University of Akron with the camp going on. Um, Anthony Bennett was one of the players in that camp <laughs> that year. Yep. Uh, yep. Remember, I don't know if it was that year or another year, but this is just more about the world's changed. Jordan Crawford dunked on LeBron during the run, and then all of a sudden we weren't in there anymore. Year, you know, that was the year before, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I do remember. Was that but, the, but all, that was the year before? Yeah. And how quickly that was destroyed. Whereas now that would be everywhere. You know, right? But at one right. point, we were Dre and I were standing outside the Jar, which is the name of the arena at Akron. And for those of you guys who aren't familiar, um. Only parts of Akron's campus are a campus. I mean, it's a city setting, and it's sidewalks yeah. more than anything else. And we were standing on the sidewalk, and there were some cars parked there that was LeBron's crew and camp crew only. Uh, they might have been parked in the grass. I don't remember. They were, but, they were like, yeah, they were parked right next to the yeah, jar, but illegally. You illegally and I were standing there in the afternoon on day four or five of this idiotic chase, and right next to us was Maverick in his SUV on the phone. Remember that? And so it doesn't have anything to do with us. I remember that for another reason. When we were standing out there, the Akron U team was walking in and you were talking to Zeke Marshall. And I will never forget that as long as I live. You're five foot three ass looking up at his seven foot three ass. (laughs) (laughs) And he wanted to talk about doing playing with computers and video games. I'm like, man, you're seven fucking foot. Should be talking about getting to the league, motherfucker. Like I was literally yelling at him. (laughs) And I hope Josh Eggner listens to this because I was telling him. I was like, you're seven fucking foot, man. Quit worrying about video games. Um, wait, the other thing you forget about that is as we were sitting out there, well, number one, they went and got him Robex. They went and got him a, a smoothie. I'll never forget that. That was like one of uh, Maverick's jobs. Damon Jones, they went and got him smoothies. And they were sitting there waiting to give LeBron his smoothie. And Byron Scott, the newly named Cleveland Cavaliers head coach, showed up at the jar. And Zach and I, I think we were more comfortable than most of the reporters around there because well, we grew up on, around that campus and around around people that worked there, so we knew kind of the lay of the land. And I'll never forget Byron Scott going up to like four doors in the jar, trying to open them. You know how you know, they only leave like one door open? Yeah. And to me, that was the microcosm of what Byron Scott was getting ready to go through yes. as a Cleveland Cavs. <laughs> That's so true. It's so. I was going <laughs> to say, I watched him go through a lot of games where he looked like he was not getting in the door. <laughs> right, but he like. He, Yanked on another door, yanked on another, and finally one opened up, and it was like he went through the doors through the front of the jar, Zach, and LeBron and his crew, like not forty-five seconds later, came out the court, the side doors, and went right to that SUV. Never talked to Byron Scott, mm. and that was like four days, five days before the decision, if I if I remember correctly. Right when we walked away, when we walked away from that setting, you and I both knew he was not going to be a Cleveland Cavalier anymore. 
Yeah, you know, it started a trend that way, and um, you know, it's it just how it's so different. I mean, they had set it up the time to do it at nine o'clock at night, right on a Thursday, I think it was. Right. And yep. you know, they knew that it had gone wrong uh, the previous Saturday. Remember, the Cavs had basically thrown him a parade. And the one thing I'll really remember, other than typing out my tweets on that keyboard and hoping that the browser for whatever damn phone I had didn't close, is they would not acknowledge the fans when him and the whole crew came through that morning. And I thought, this isn't good. Number one, you're acting like a total dick, and that's not you. Uh, And that carried with him for a long time. Uh, He talks a little bit openly about it now, but people who who know him well have long talked about that. And I just thought, well, this is bad. And then the more it carried out and they were like, you know, now everything is so done directly by Twitter, directly by agent to reporter, right. By athlete to chosen reporter or by athlete himself. And they were like scrambling that afternoon to, to get it out there. But the bottom line is he still ultimately was breaking up with Cleveland on national TV. Awkward ass Jim Gray, awkward ass LeBron, awkward ass setting four States away. Right. And It, and it just was <laughs> really bad. Um, when the decision itself came down, where were you? I was at the studios of, um, I'll never forget this, because this, this moment, I was at, I was at WTAM, but let me, I got to say something around that. Um, this moment probably changed my career a little bit, and I didn't know it at the time. But it's funny because in, in LeBron's rookie year, I'll never forget we were at a bar club in downtown Cleveland. Um, and Maverick, Maverick Carter's first cousin and I played football together at St. V. So I've known Maverick since he was 12, 11. Like, I've known who he is, what he, you know. And Maverick is sitting at a table. I'm sitting at a table over from, from him. I'm with a couple guys. We know a couple of the same guys. And we kind of like, you know, when you – it was like when you and I met for the first time. It's like you know each other, but you don't know each other really well. But you know a bunch of people that know the same people, right? And then after the other one goes, "Hey, but you, you know, you played with this guy, or you knew this guy," and it was like, "Oh yeah." So we had like that moment, that ah moment, and it was you know because I it, I know people that grew up in North Akron. He knows people that grew up in West Akron. So we went through that for a minute, and this is LeBron's first year, and, and then it hit him because I was working at I was at eleven hundred, I think, by that time. And he kind of took it at, I was, he kind of took it as I was doing all this to get something from LeBron. And I remember in in my spiteful, angry, angry Elf Andre mode, I had a shot and I don't do, I didn't do shots a lot back then. And I remember Mav said something to me. I was like, Hey man, I ain't in this fucking business to ride your fucking coattails. I don't know why I said that or did that. But I remember the whole table, like the music stopped. It was like that moment of me just saying to Mav, like, I'm, I'm going to be successful without, I'm like, I've been successful without you guys. I'm going to be successful with you. I'm not trying to pony up to ride LeBron's coattails. Probably should have, should. <laughs> but I, I remember saying that, and he was like, I respect that. And, we, and that was like one of the last times we talked for about, five, about eight years. So fast forward towards the night of the decision, I had someone that had Mav's number, and I'm at the radio station, and I'm doing this with Mike Snyder. Um, and I see Mike Snyder is after my dad and a couple other older men. I uh, wasn't some of the most respected men in my life, Mike Snyder. And I just know that he's like he's a happy-go-lucky guy that that makes doing sports fun. He doesn't. He's seen more losses. He's just a really good person. 
and it sucks to see him not happy. And I remember I told him an hour into our show, an hour, like at 8.30, I was like, man, I got somebody in Akron telling me he's definitely going to Miami, Mike. And I told him that during a break, and it was like I, told, like I took Mike's firstborn from him. Yeah. Like just a disappointment over his face. He was like, well, he's like, I didn't feel good when he decided to go to Connecticut and do this, this show. So before we even went on the air, Mike Snyder was like beside himself. And I remember thinking, maybe I shouldn't have told him. You know, maybe I should have just let it happen rather than kind of using that. And, and the thing is, the person that told me this, I could have used for information on LeBron the whole time he was here the first seven years and never did. The first time I used him was the day of the decision. And he was like, oh, yeah, man, he's fucking gone. <laughs> and I remember being like, damn. So I'm on the air on TAM. We pretty much know. I want to say we, the Cavs kind of let us know something because we were on the Cavs radio network. And obviously the decision happened. And I, Zach, was on the radio. And this is why I say it changes my, changed my career. I think I went on the air at like 8 o'clock that night, and I didn't leave the air till 5 a.m. Um, and somebody reminded me of this a few days ago. I took phone calls from truck drivers across the nation, from fans crying, from fans locally and, and otherwise saying some of the most racist things ever. Um, I read Dan Gilbert's email live on the air, like, as it came out, thinking it was a joke. Right. And having people respond to that. I just remember when I got off the air at 5 a.m., and it wasn't planned for me to stay on until 5 a.m. I was supposed to go to, like, 11. I remember at 11 o'clock, like, I remember there was so much more that I wanted to say. The phone lines were still – like, I just had this emotional overload that I probably had never had in my career. Like, yeah, we're a little longer. And the phone lines still were just packed till 3, till 4. Mike Snyder had left, gone home, went to sleep, came back in to do his morning show and I was still on the air. <laughs> and I remember even when I got in my car and I drove home, this is when I still lived in Fairview. Like I got home and I still just sat in my car for like 15 more minutes. Just like still numb to everything that had just happened. Um, but I say it changed my career because I think it showed me the versatility I could have in my career and I didn't just have to talk sports. And I appreciate that moment because I remember in that moment thinking, well, we're never going to win a championship in this town, so I better get good at something. Because I ain't ever do a championship. <laughs> <laughs> so for the actual thing, I went to the Valley in Akron, um, mm. you know, which is an area of bars. And by 2010, Andre and I were pretty much past our time of of a normal, where the Valley was a normal hangout. Um, You're right, but. You know, what I assume, I haven't been down there for years now, but what I assume still hasn't changed is you go there to act up. And on a Thursday night, right. you know, what, what, at the time, there's probably what, eight bars, six bars, eight bars? Oh, yeah. There's some like some sort bars, of fact, some form, you know? It's a mini college. It's a mini yeah. college town. Yeah, and it but was it, loud. Like, I grew up in the area, but it's, it's perfect for yeah. what he was looking for. So I just remember when it came down. And in the ensuing 15, you know, I didn't see anybody burn anything there. You saw the light. Right. You saw the videos and stuff later. But I can remember the, the odd silence, the eerie silence of the whole area. And just standing, because, you know, I was there to, quote, work, right? I lived 20 right. minutes away at the time. Right. Um, but just standing at my car, kind of parked, you know, right out where I could see maybe halfway in to the area where a lot of people coming and going from 
main area to sidebar to to back to their apartment or to secondary you know drinking spot it 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 just it was so the emotion was so real because it was so quiet i mean people were just disgusted and i had had held out the thought that, that there was no way that he was actually going to break up with cleveland on national tv and then he did and here i am in akron where he's from with people that probably went to school with him right right well you were 15 minutes from where he grew up yeah oh yeah i mean shoot right up the road yeah yeah right um and and of course at the time we didn't know how the rest would go because when we look at this now we not only look at it from different maturity and from full hindsight but we look at it the first game back in cleveland the eventual return to cleveland the championship in cleveland leaving part two all the things that he's done, hey, and, and he was doing good things then. Jason, Jason, right? Jason, yeah, Jason Lloyd of the Athletic wrote, wrote perfect. He did the right thing yeah. for his career. He did the right thing, and we can get to that part. But go ahead. Well, no, no. Listen, I mean, as we look back at it now, he did the right thing for his career. He did it in the wrong way, right? As we look at it now, yes, yeah, it was for sure. It was an exclamation point. It was a kicking in the door in this athlete empowerment area. It was still yeah. really sloppy, really not well done, and really a lot of people regret the way that it went. And in some cases, it will stick with them. I mean, I, I find the only thing I really found fascinating about ESPN's hour on it because I thought they were really reaching. Yeah. Um, and maybe, it, maybe if that there had TV, not been a pandemic, it would have been a half hour and not yeah, an hour. Exactly. But right, you just feel like Jim Gray wouldn't talk to him because you just feel like he he's under some blood oath, right? Like they, they gave him this gig, and you will never speak ill of us again. <laughs> right, right. There's, yeah, that was so odd. That was, it was, you know, you're right. They made mistakes, but the empowerment of athletes changed changed that night. Um, and I look when you put a lot of mid twenty, young twenty year olds in the situation that they were in, you have to expect mistakes, and they did make mistakes. I give them credit that they rebounded from it and became better from it. Uh, when you go to the, the coming back to Cleveland, how he did it. When you go to how he went to the Lakers, um, how he did it. But I'll say this, and I know it's not popular to say, it su- absolutely sucked. And it's, and it's always going to be a part of his career, how he left Cleveland the first time. And I get some people were always going to be pained by it. They'll get pissed off by it. Yeah. But I think he did the right thing for LeBron's career. But he also did the right thing to show the Cavaliers that, that they needed to do better. You just mentioned it earlier. Look at the teams he was playing with. Look at the guys he was playing with. I mean, look at the guys we, they tried to turn into stars. Mo Williams, uh, you know, I don't want to – Mo Williams is an all-star one year. You know, like he never – they never, for whatever reason, they never, ever came close to putting the right type of team on the, on the court to win a championship. And would they have if he stays for another? If he if he signed back in 2010, Zach, and this is a you know there's no real answer, but do you think that there's a there's a parade in 16 if he would have stayed in 10? I don't. No, probably not. And and that's what's fast. That that's what makes this not just because we're from Akron, Ohio, and from Cleveland, Ohio. That's the part of it that makes this thing so fascinating. That that him leaving was a necessary step, right? That there was right. this nasty breakup. And you talk about now, like when you're in my position, Dre, and something strange pops on Twitter, you're automatically trained to believe that it's fake and to double check before you run with it. 
like when that yep. Dan Gilbert letter came out, it was like there is no way this is real. <laughs> right. Oh, well, it is. Zach, oh. I was on the air. Yeah, I, I was on the air. My producer and I, like on the air, I text as I was on the air. I wouldn't read it, so I text the PR guy. And the PR guy goes, and he texts back, "Yeah, Dre, it's, it's." I text like two great PR guys. I'll, I won't say their names separately because one I used to hang out with, and I separately and with the one like I did like the personal like. You got to be fucking kidding me! And he's like, Nah, Dre, it's 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 real. And I remember being like, Holy shit! But you're right; like, you never believed it was real. And I had to get confirmation from two different people that worked for the Cavs. And the one guy, the PR guy, told me, "Dude, we wouldn't even send it out. We made Dan send it out. That's all you need to know." Like they were like the PR people were like, "Nah, I don't think you should stand to send this out, Dan." And Dan was like, "Give it here, I'll send it," and did it. <laughs> Yeah, it was, and to think about 10 years ago, um, and to think that he's still playing, <laughs> right? To think that he came right. back four years later and they went to four straight finals. Um, they finally won one. Um, yeah, but but those those days will, will always stick with me. Um, those days in terms of what we do now and how things are covered. There might not ever be anything like that again, but it was really one of those first people are following on Twitter. It's not on TV. It's not an event, right? Everybody's searching right. for information. It's completely locked down. And um, here, by the way, he's going to go on TV and do this after 50 people had chased him around various sidewalks in Cleveland and Akron for a week. Well, and I think you didn't, we didn't even touch on that. The whole, um, just that week where everybody came down East 9th Street and had to go to the MGM or the, what was the building? Not the, uh, the, the, uh, the IMG, the agency, IMG, uh, IMG, IMG. I'm sorry. Yes. That was a spectacle like never before. And even, and we said, you know, and I said this the day of because, and this is, like I said, I had a really good source. And I remember I said this on the air to Mike Snyder and Mike Snyder pivoted back to me four years later and was like, Dre, you called it the night he left. But somebody that was close to kind of told me, yeah, he's going to Miami. You know, somebody told me, they're like, Dre, he's never left for college. He's never left and experienced anything outside of Northeast Ohio. He is just curious of what else is out there. This is like his college signing day. And I remember you going, I remember I, I, it kind of made me mad at the time, but it made sense as everything kind of happened from saying I'm taking my talents to South PTA, he stole that from Kobe. But once again, Kobe was 18 when Kobe said that, right? And it was very much for the people around them, this was like him going to college. The Miami Heat was the, hey, and, and it's what I tell my nephews. It's what I told my nephews when it was time for them to go to college. I told them, go somewhere hot. Go somewhere where girls don't wear a lot. My sister didn't like that I told them that. But I was like, if you got a choice, you go somewhere where it, it feels like a vacation every day. Don't go somewhere where you got to put a sweater on ever or a coat. And Pat Riley, as much as they can't stand each other right now, Pat Riley changed LeBron's career in teaching him the importance of, you know, what the main thing is. Keep the main thing the main thing. He needed those four years in Miami. Um, and I'll, I'll continue to say that. Yes, it sucked how he went about going about doing this, but he absolutely needed those four years for a multitude of reasons. But like I said, he needed the college experience. And in that college experience, he picked up, what, two championships and went to three it doesn't even matter if I got that set right, right? He went to what three NBA finals there? Or they uh, went to four, didn't he, they? Well, four, no, 
four four finals. They they lost to the Mavericks. Yeah. They beat the Thunder and they split with the Spurs. Yeah. Right. There you go. There you go. Yeah, he needed he, it. He had that and, run of eight straight and, finals. Right. 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 And I remember the day he came back. I'll never forget the week. Not even the day he came back. One of the last things I did at CAM full time was the um, media day for the Cavs. And the first time around, I remember it was like pulling teeth to get him to do anything that he was quote unquote supposed to do. You know, like, but, but on the day that he comes back, he comes right over to our table. What's up, Mr. Snyder? What's up, Dre? I remember Mike Snyder and I looked at each other and we're like, who the fuck is this? Because <laughs> yeah. he like sat right down with us. It was like, you know, like calm as could be, cool as could be. And I remember Snyder and I looked at each other and he was like, well, this is a different LeBron than the kid that left. He's no longer a kid now. And Snyder looked at me and said, Dre, you said it the night he left. He needed to get away. And he goes, I think we've got a better man than the man we had four years ago. And I think that showed up in how he played and how he did things as we went forward. Well, you know, over that time, you know, over the, the, I don't know if it was 16 months, but certainly it was eight to nine to 12 months. Who became the enemy for the first, you know, the bad guy for the first time. Yeah. Right. On a national scale anyway. Um, And he just was not comfortable with that. That's not him. Right. Uh, Right. and, And, you know, people said that and he wasn't the same. And, you know, they it, it came out. He didn't play like he did and, and <laughs> he was capable of. And it's all part of his, you know, story that's still going. That's that's so unbelievable. And um, you know, I'm I'll be glued on July thirtieth when it comes back because LeBron will be on T V again. Right? Hopefully. Yep. We'll see. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, well, he's, tra- he's traveling there today, right? Yeah, I know some teams are already already in some not like i I haven't followed it closely i mean i've been around this week um because we're not you know it's basically a staycation not doing much other than sitting in the pool but i i'm not glued to to i hope you're making the most i'm being serious on a serious note forget the whole decision i hope you're enjoying and making the most of this because for both of us we have um and just going through this story um I can't believe it was 10 years ago because I'm looking back on my career from 10 years ago. <laughs> like, and we haven't had a lot of Julys like this. You've never had a July like this. And who knows what your August and September is going to be. Yeah. But, man, enjoy the shit out of that pool. And one of the reasons we haven't been able to do a podcast is both of us have been in the pool drinking during the day and got nothing <laughs> left by 8 o'clock p.m. because that's not our normal lives. Have you been wearing your water and wings? I'm, be honest with me. I'm actually getting better, bro. I, I'm actually to the point. Where I'll need that shit almost. I'm, I'm, I, you'll be surprised. Dude, I've been in a pool almost every day for about 10 days straight, for about 15 days straight. And my kid, I think my kids, my, my son can outswim me like it's nobody's business. So I got to get better or I'm going to get laughed at. <laughs> I lost a swim race to a, t- to a fifth grader this morning. <laughs> <laughs> a to Z. So we can't swim your shit, but we'll drink you under the table. <laughs> and you know I was trying my ass off to win. I wasn't conceding nothing. <laughs> right, right. I'm a winner. Uh, no, enjoy this time, man, because at some point, the grind of grinds is coming back in our lives. And well, I, don't know I, what I, I would, I would say this, yeah. is, you know, I, I'm blessed to do what I love. And um, even though I work goofy hours and whatever, I need that anyway, because in a nine to five, I'd lose my mind. 
you know, the, the first day. Me too. But I really have tried to block all thoughts out of my mind of just the uncertainty of everything. You know, what's it going to look like? What's it going to be? All I can do is, you know, do the stuff when, when I'm officially back at work next Monday that I'm supposed to do. And then be ready to go to camp in Berea, assuming it's going on, assuming I'm allowed there, right? Um, assuming all, right. all the things when when I get the call to, to go back and do it. So um, we'll see what happens with all that. I just, I, it's, it's yeah. out of my control, and I truly don't know. Let me ask you this. Four years after the decision, how did you end up, or how did the story, like, I think the one thing that's crazy about the whole decision to me, looking at it, knowing the pain and anger, and I'm downtown Cleveland right now. I'm getting ready to go to Progressive Field. And I remember just, like, how angry people were around with the blocks that I'm on right now. How did four years later you end up in Las Vegas basically covering the story all over again? Well, and if you and I are both alive in 2024, <laughs> then that will be maybe a book, certainly a series of podcasts. Um, yeah, yeah, it was fascinating as hell, but you mentioned, I figured that's where you were going today. Why don't you just give everybody a quick update on what has and hasn't been going on, uh, with the Indians? Cause frankly, if you're still listening, they deserve it. Yeah. Um, you know, Hey, this is Thursday. I'm getting ready to go into the ballpark. They're getting ready to have an inner squad, uh, game against each other. That's what inner squad obviously means. Um, so far it, it's, I mean, we're like you said earlier in the podcast, we're a couple of weeks away from games actually being played. But I got to tell you, there's not this arrogance by anyone that I've dealt with. And I'll be honest, I've stayed home so far this week because, well, and you're going to go through this probably too at some point in time. Um, I haven't come down here until today because I can do a lot of my work from my living room or from my, my you know, back, backyard, just doing Zoom calls. Right. It's very awkward. Um, it, you know, I'm back to a lot of players and everything else, but today I'm going to be here and we're going to go up in the booth, Matt Underwood's going to be down here. We're going to watch the inner squad game and we're going to try to normalize this, but it's, it's not normal, Zach. It's not, it's not even for the players, you know, the players get down with their zoom calls and I text them and, and the players kind of say to me, you know, they're, they're like, this is freaking weird, but the Indians so far, knock on wood, seem to be doing things the right, as right as they can. Um, but I mean, even like Mike Clevenger said the other day, like he's like, he's in the visitor clubhouse. He only gets to be around like three or like four other guys. Um, like, you know, they practice, but they don't really see each other. The first time he was close to, you know, Lindor, he was throwing pitches to it. They were 60 feet apart. And, you know, like it's, it's just, it's where we're at now. I guess the one thing that makes me feel good is that, you know, some of the sports are starting back. You're seeing soccer get played. Um, even though down in you know Florida they're having their issues as well, I know for the I know Tito is he's optimistic, but he's still concerned. Is what I, I'll, you know, what I'll tell you. I think we're all at that point. No one's going to truly believe it until games are actually played. Yeah, the Indians had a weird situation earlier this week. We're on the Fourth of July. Framil Reyes was you know hung out with some friends, like most of us on the Fourth of July. I'd say most of us were with family. Um, I didn't go to some big raging party, but, you know, I had my, my parents were over, my in-laws were over, we ate, you know, uh, you know, we, there's a pool that we've been able to go to. We have a neighbor that's been awesome. The only people that we've really hung out with that we've been around. 
But Framil Reyes was out, and it was on social media because what happens when you're on social media all the time, Zach? When you're online, you're always online. Yes. So the Indians saw Framil that was, was out on the 4th of July. It was around a bunch of people that didn't have masks. So, and this may be the best thing for the Indians 2020 season. It sucks what happened, but it was the first time that they could make their rules their rules. Yeah. They had to tell them, you can't come in, man. You've been yeah. hanging out with people that like that's, and that's kind of where we're at in 2020. So he had to sit out until he tested and tested. All right. So they come so he could test negative and come back. Yeah. And they're hoping that that moment will be the moment that kind of teaches the whole team of, look, we know we're asking a lot, but if we find out you're out and about, you know, risking everybody else, we're going to, we're going to tell you to go home. You can't be around us. Right. Um, can you get 30 teams to do that over three months, Zach? I'm I'm not optimistic on that. Yeah, no, I, I have major optimistic. I have major questions about that myself. Um, I'll, 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 let's get out of here on this note. So, in my career, just growing up, a huge sports nerd, and getting to do for the most part the only thing I ever a wanted to do and B, C, D, and E was qualified to do. I've had a lot of cool experiences. LeBron has been a part of of a lot of them. I've had a lot of strange experiences. Um, Twitter and LeBron have been a part of a lot of them, but when you mention inner squad game, your interest squad game, because uh, I'm because mm-hmm. I'm a grammar nerd, I had to make sure that I made that clear. Um, in 2016 or 17, I forget which year it was. The Indians had that long delay in the playoffs, and we did an A to Z in the stadium, and they were playing a game to stay sharp. And you took me down on the That's field, right. and Carlos Carrasco was humming at at near game conditions and we were right behind the plate and now i was always a 214 hitter in manchester youth baseball right um even if i'd have had a director <laughs> of player development it wouldn't have been shit but as far as like things i've been up close and seen i put that there with like watching ray allen work out two and a half hours before a game you know watching yep. um courtney brown pre-injury run around watching oh. kellen winslow play football <laughs> you know oh. um we don't need to talk anything else that he was involved in. No, but no. sitting hey, there watch watching Car- Carlos Carrasco throw, I thought to myself that day, "How in the world does anybody ever hit a baseball?" It does. I know. <laughs> I know. You're right. That's the great. You know what? When I first took this job, um, Rick Manning asked me that question. Like, when I, we were in spring training still, and he was like, "Hey, man," he goes, "You've done a great job doing this for football," and he goes, "In the little time you've been able to be down there for baseball, what have you taken from it?" And I go, well, it's the same thing that I, that I recognize in football. I don't think any person that's never been on a field for a baseball – or I think you can kind of see it in basketball. Basketball is different because mm-hmm. it's different. I don't think people realize how hard the game really is until you sit down there. I don't know how anyone hits any ball over 95 miles an hour, especially when they can throw a curve or a slider. It is amazing to watch these guys pitch as up and close as, as the way we do. There are so many routine – and I'm putting the, you know, the, you know, there's so many routine plays that are made that we ho hum about that the average person would break two fingers and an oh. ankle on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we take it for granted, but it's the reason why these guys are pros. Right. Um, right. And you're right. When you watch a Carlos Carrasco, we're going to do it right now. I think Shane Beaver is going to be in the mouth. And it's the closer you get, the more I'm just, my mouth just drops and I'm blown away by it the talent and the ability that some of these guys have. 
I mean, frankly, going back to eighth grade when I still was playing and still thought I could play, I realized then things were much safer for me in the press box. You know, it took me several <laughs> years after that for it to, to come full circle. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, you get an appreciate like the basketball. I'm glad we brought this up. The basketball tournament that's on TV. Um, I'll watch every minute of it from here on out. Frankly, with it starting on July 4th and then the next day being a Sunday and there was four games a day, I just, I was outside. I, I didn't see a bunch of it, right? But you know I love right. college basketball and it's pros. It's not guys in the NBA. It's guys that have had a cup of coffee in the G League. A lot of them that have had super successful careers overseas or maybe about to do that. Uh, I know the Dayton team had mostly young guys, but some of the teams have older guys like Joe Johnson at, at 40 years old is playing today right. um, later on. What like, happened to uh, Ohio State? What you to you look at those guys there? and you see some of them that have lost their hair and that have put on weight and whatever, <laughs> and like it's easy to say, well, well, think about how good you have to. You have to win the genetic lottery first of all, right? Then right, you have to right. you have to develop your skills and you have to develop your toughness. Your injury luck has to be good. Your timing luck has to be good, and you have to keep your body in peak condition and stay healthy and have the right people see you for all for all this time, right? And you just watch the what these guys would do to the common basketball player. You know, it's like watching oh. the golf. What they would do to the guys in my golf league that think they're good in their cutoff t-shirts, fluffing the ball up, giving each other five-foot putts, <laughs> right? Like, play Muirfield under <laughs> these right. conditions, right? right? But I just right. wanted to say, um, you know, it's Aaron Kraft says he's done with competitive basketball. He's moving on to, uh, to medical school. Um, you know, 10 years ago, Aaron Kraft was barely in our lives. Think about that. And so I know sports yeah. boy Tony um, is, is extra sad, but white people in all four corners of the state of Ohio are openly weeping, and that's okay. Uh, but I, I encourage you guys, if you're bored, um, to watch the tournament, even though the Ohio State team is out. It's really good hoops, and it's live sports on TV. Yeah, my best Aaron Kraft uh, memory is of him playing basketball, and that's been the greatest part about our careers. Yeah. I did a I did a football game where I did a high school football game where he was a starting safety and starting quarterback and was the best player on the field hands freaking down. <laughs> like he would have been the best safety at Ohio State in his time playing point guard at Ohio State. No offense to whoever the hell was the safety. I'm just telling you he was that good on the football field. He was. He he was a freaking stud. He absolutely was. Uh Liberty Benton High School is yeah. they made yeah. Who'd they play in that D5 title game? You did the sideline, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, I did. They played. Was it Ursula? Oh my! I was. It was somebody. Yeah, it was somebody like that. It was. Yeah, yeah it was Ursula because that was when they had the one little running back. <laughs> That's any year when they were good. <laughs> they had the one running back that was. Good. They had a one big guy that went to Nebraska, and they had a little kid that was just. I think they went to Youngstown State. That was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, God, we're getting old because now we're now yeah, that's we in are. like 2009, and we're in like, well, was it nine? Was it seven? When was it? Where was it? Right. <laughs> we were there. I know that. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Um, who knows what we'll talk about next week? We'll get into something. Thanks for all your support. Thanks to Scene, to Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks. Um, thank you, LeBron. It's been fun. Yeah. Thank you, LeBron. <laughs> hey, just seeing this on Twitter from Nicole uh, uh, Auerbach from the yeah. Athletic. Big Ten is expected to announce today it will go with a conference-only football schedule for the fall. Yeah. Um, well, she's tweeting. Yeah. That makes sense, but I'll still believe that they actually get to that point when they actually get to that point. So I hear you. I we'll hear you. We'll see. 
We'll see. All right, guys. Uh, this has been A to Z. All right, and man. we thank you for Y'all listening. Y'all be good. Yep. Konnichiwa, the decision. <laughs>